Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Andy Warhol hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In your the goosebumps. <laughs> hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And here we are. So here we are. Oh, my goodness. Um, it is still something like 90 some odd days till um, my 40th birthday. And we are just trucking along. I mean, what more is there to say about it that I haven't said already? Actually, you know what I wanted to talk about really quick? I want to talk about all the love you all show me out there really quick. Um, I'm really not a numbers guy, like tracking my numbers. I kind of just do this. This podcast is a, a lot of a labor of love and I just put it out and let it be most of the time. And I went back really quick. I was like, you know what? Let me just take a look at these numbers. And they're doing like, y'all are listening. Um, and it's really, really amazing. And the growth and just you all um, supporting me and the love you show me out there is really, really amazing and awesome. And it's just a joy to sit here and to give a platform to other people and to share other people's stories, our stories. Um, it's just a, a really amazing ride. And it's really amazing to see the growth and the acceptance of this pod. So thank you out there so much. Shameless plug while you're listening. If you haven't already, please scroll down really quick and just hit that one star, two star, three star, five star, whatever stars, leave a review. You know what? Even if it's a bad review, I hate it so much, but I can't stop listening. I'll take it at this point because I mean, it's only, it's only upwards from here, isn't it? Um, yeah, and that's, and that's my PSA moment of the day. I am so excited for today's episode because I have the one, the only, yes, y'all, Another gay foodie superstar. What can I? What can I say? What can I say? The one, <laughs> the only, Billy Green with me. Say hi, Billy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you sound so excited to be here. <laughs> Billy, 
for those of you who don't know out there, and I'm pretty sure you do, Billy Green is the man behind the Instagram Wit and Vinegar. But Billy is also a photographer and recipe developer, right? And so he lives in Fresno, California. So it's the morning for him. So everybody just give him a break. Um, How are you? I'm doing good. Still waking up a little bit and... um trying to just like be present here with everything else that's going on in my house right now. So um, I'm doing good though. (laughs) I I love that. I love that. Well, good morning and thank you for being here and giving me of, you know, time out of your very, very busy schedule. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So in the grand tradition of the In Yo Mouth podcast, I need to wish you happy National Mold Cider Day. Mold cider as in like, like, no, it doesn't have to be alcoholic, right? I mean, I would prefer it to be. But <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Interesting. It's too hot. Is it cold in New York right now? Uh, yes, it is too. Uh, it is cold. We're having a heat. We're having a heat wave. Um, it's um, it, it was like low sixties for about a good week and a half, two weeks, and now we like hit eighty again. But we're getting cold again. Like fall okay. is upon us. I broke. <laughs> I broke out the sweaters, the wrap sweaters. You know, mm-hmm. the ponchos are out. Mm-hmm. The fall fashions are here. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm here for a little bit of mold cider. I've already been apple picking. Oh, I, um, we have a fire share, so that's not happening for me anytime soon. But um, I live in the Central Valley, so we've got like all of the like produce you could imagine, like at any point in time. So that's like, that's always really nice to sort of have at our fingertips. Um, but Does it get cold in Fresno? Yeah. Yeah. So we have like everybody, I think everybody just always assumes that like California is like the same sort of climate throughout the whole thing. Um, Cause people just automatically assume that like LA is like the benchmark for everything. Uh, but much like San Francisco, like, much like the Kardashians, right? Right. Like, yeah. And people are very wrong. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's like LA is sunny a lot during the year. They do get, it gets kind of cold in LA though, like during the winter, um, definitely chills down, but like Fresno. Yeah. We definitely, um, we get super cold. Um, it doesn't snow here cause we're not a high enough elevation, but, um, I grew up, uh, just North of here near Yosemite and we used to get snow every couple of years and it would be like snowstorms for like three or four days. Oh, I love the snow. We haven't had snow in like two years, I think. Like I, I live for a New York blizzard. I don't care mm-hmm. what you say out there in your mouth, <laughs> listeners. I don't care that it gets dirty and slushy. I, I live for it. I live for a New York blizzard. Yeah, I miss it. I haven't had like a snow day in the longest time. Ever since I moved out from that area, like I've lived areas where it just doesn't snow. So yeah, the only thing that sucks about it is that uh, Billy doesn't know me. We just met. Billy has agreed to come and play with me on this big gay podcast, <laughs> uh, listeners out there. But um, I live in 120 square feet in Times Square. I say it every episode, right? The listeners are over it. But that's the only thing that sucks during like a blizzard blizzard that I don't have anybody to like cuddle up with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but back to the mold cider. Um, I live for a mold cider. I... um. You know, I can only have maybe like one 
one or two, right, before it gets too hot. But uh, I'm here for malt cider. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy a nice mulls anything um, when it's cold. <laughs> when it cools down here, like, that's definitely, like, an option for us. Either wine or cider is, like, always a great thing to, like, sort of partake in. Whether or not it's alcoholic, I feel like cider, you know, you could enjoy a little bit more if it's not alcoholic maybe but oh, really or, or maybe i'm ju- maybe i just have a penchant for the liqueur <laughs> yeah yeah um you could also do like hard cider too oh I, like yeah like a beer and that might be interesting like a little yeasty hard cider mulled cider mm-hmm. or are we just talking like mulling the hard cider itself hmm I don't know if it's sparkling, if it's like a carbonated situation, I guess it would have to be to have the alcohol in it. Then I guess you wouldn't heat that up, but you could do like some regular like cider and then hard cider mixed together. Yeah. Hmm. That's always possible. Hmm. Well, if you're listening and you want to try it for us, we are here for that. But moving right along to this day in gay history, um, And it's the end of Hispanic Heritage Month at that, too. Um, In 2008, Ecuador legalizes same-sex civil unions with the passage of its new constitution. Yay! That was earlier than us, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Right? I guess. Um, So 2008? I don't remember when we passed ours now. There's There's been so many history factoids on and off this pod that I've like ingested that I'm just... Well, and also like, I think it was a big state thing before it was like a federal thing too. Like we had Prop 8 in 2009 in California, I think it was. Yes, yes, that 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 feels right to me. Yeah. That feels right. Well, I loved a little good news because... As we all know, the news itself is just um, a shit storm or firestorm or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we've just had to shut it off. But a little bit about you. What made you, um, we have a lot in common or some in common here. What yeah. made you want to begin um, Wit and Vinegar? It was just something where, like, I was just really bored in school, like in college, Um I was sort of taking uh, photo classes and graphic design classes at the same time. And um, I sort of, I minored in um, just like in journalism. Uh, So I was sort of, all three of those things were sort of coming together to a point where I was like, oh, you know what? Like I could, blogs back then were like nothing what they are now, not even close. Um, Nobody made money off of them. Like you just did it for fun. And so I was like, yeah, like, why don't I try? Like, I had bought a new camera for school, but the classes that I was taking were, like, I couldn't use that camera because it was like, a, like I had to use like an analog, like film camera for the class. So I had a digital camera I wanted to use. I had some lights that I wanted to play with. And so I just was like, well, this would be a great way for me to sort of figure out photography, but then also, you know, work with food, which I had done since I was like a little kid. Um, but and where did the penchant for the food come from? I don't know. I've just always enjoyed it. Um, my parents can both cook pretty well, uh, but I, um, it was always kind of the same thing. 
you know, it was like very like middle America, like lower middle class white food. And so it was just like always, you know, some form of like hamburger helper or something like that, which is great. Like I will still partake in those things uh, even to this day, like every once in a while. But I just got to a point where like, I think it was, um, I don't know. I was just always fascinated by food. We also did not have the internet when I was a kid. Um, so I like, that's one thing where you just, you have more time on your hands. Um, and I, I actually remember there's like a very specific memory where I would watch Food Network like all the time. And I remember Ina Garten uh, making um, cabbage and my dad would always make cabbage, but he would either like steam it or boil it, which is like disgusting. I mean, there's like so many other ways you could cook cabbage and why choose that <laughs> route. And he would always make that for us. And we just always have to eat it because that was like the vegetable on our plate. And I remember watching her and she was like sauteing it. She like cut it in like thin strips and like sauteed it with like a bunch of butter and like all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, that like looks really good. And so um, I made it one night for, for us to like have with like our dinner. And I was like, this is so much better. Like, why are we not eating this? Like, why why are you making me eat steamed cabbage when there's this option, you know, available? And my dad was like, oh yeah, your grandma used to make that for me, um, you know, when I was a kid. And I was like, okay, well, why haven't we had it? Because <laughs> I don't like, and I think it was like sort of from there, I was kind of just like, oh, there's like other things out there, you know, like when you didn't have the internet and the food realm in which it, we sort of live in today, uh, growing up, we had, you know, it was like PBS and Food Network really were truly like the options for food shows. And so, um, yeah, I took a cooking class in like seventh grade. And I mean, we didn't really learn a ton in that class, but it sort of took off from there a little bit. And, um, I started cooking much, much more during high school. Uh, my parents were like divorced when I was like really little. So my parents were essentially single parents in that way where like they didn't have somebody to make the food at home while like one of them's working or, you know, whatever else. So I would be the one to make dinner a lot of times, you know, my dad would be like, can you look in the freezer and see what we have like to put together? Can, you know, I can't, I can't do dinner. I have to work late today or I have to do whatever. So it sort of evolved from that. And, um, I took a, an actual like ROTC, like culinary arts class in high school, my, my senior year and, uh, really sort of fell in love with it and, uh, sort of just went from there to see like what would happen. Um, and I couldn't pursue, uh, any sort of career in food because, uh, my teacher was very adamant about not taking culinary arts she she's like don't go to culinary school like if you want a food uh, a career in food you should do uh either like food nutrition or food scientist so that you have like a foundation and a and like a four-year degree that you can go off of so that in case it doesn't work out there's other options you can use your degree for um so i was like not science savvy enough at the time for food science like i was like i'm not doing that so i just kind of went in like other directions um and somehow still fell into it yeah, that's really amazing. I love that. I love these little, um, the, the little history moment of getting to know you. And we actually have more in common than I thought we did. But you bring up a really interesting fact that I want to go back to that pre-internet, pre-interweb, even when I had like my first AOL account in 1996, <laughs> 97, right? What did that do for us? Nothing, but cause us angst. But um we as like 
kids, right, or tweens or teenagers or however you want to label it, um, had to find ways or had to like find ways to entertain ourselves or Mm -hmm. to learn. And so that's kind of the way I started cooking too, in the sense of, you know, I wanted, I want cake one day. So I went to the grocery store by myself, bought a box cake and learned how to make a cake. And then Mm -hmm. from there, it went to the joy of cooking, right? Because that was in my mom's house. And, and then growing up in a Puerto Rican family, uh, lower middle class, right? My mom had her staples too. Delicious, delicious. But being, going, you know, wanting to expand that palette and being like, what else is out there? Starting to watch things like Graham Kerr, you know, the Galloping Gourmet or, or Julia Child or, you know, those old, mm-hmm. or even when Food Network started, it was just Emerald, right? And, may, and then came Rachel Ray, right? It was Yeah, it was like, it was, a bunch of just like, I mean, it was like literally just like white people. And then I also remember it being, um, there was a few other people on there that are actually really, Sarah Moulton was one of them. Um, Martin Yan, Yan Can Cook. Yeah. Oh, Yan Can Cook. He was like kind of like. Remember that? Yeah. He was like kind of like the first sort of Asian sort of food person that I saw. I think he also had a show on PBS. Yes. Um, I forgot about. Shout out to you out there if you're listening and you're probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it was that. And from that experience for myself, uh, kind of like parallel to yours in 2009, 2010, and that's kind of when the recession started mm-hmm. and whatnot. I found myself stuck in my mom's house, right, with no theater gigs, nothing, watching an expanded food network and not seeing myself represented on there. You know, Latino, queer, like mm-hmm. my voice wasn't represented. And having having longing, I should say, for the old shows like Graham Kerr that had a little bit more pizzazz to them, that had a little bit more body to them, because at that time, those shows were very quiet and very beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? No shade Mm -hmm. to Food Network at all. But like, there was it like the show dynamic had changed. And I was like, I could do this, but do this better. And I also started a blog back then that did pretty well, that no longer exists. <laughs> um, but on blog, remember Blogspot? Hello. Yeah. Nobody was yeah. making money. Nobody was. No. We were just throwing darts into this thing we call the internet. Yeah, it was crazy. And like, and then you would see like one person do like a sponsored post with like Silk or something in like 2010. You're like, whoa that's crazy like they're making money off of this because yeah you know at the same time what I used to photograph back then and the amount that I would put into what I do was nothing even close to what I do now so uh it took a different a different uh bank account back then than it does now to create oh my what god I do but it's it's night and day and yeah. uh, y'all out there, he speaks, uh, Billy is speaking the truth because as you all know, I recently during quarantine had a meltdown, a blog meltdown because a lot of my old posts were still up in mm-hmm. uh, just on my site itself. And I took it all down because the photos, <laughs> the photos were terrible. It was almost like re- going back and reading an old diary. And I was uh-huh. like, none of this none of this works anymore. Yeah. Like this is like the recipes are still good, but I'm trying to like reformat and look at it again and try to like, you know, and blogging, blogging, you have to be so niche these days 
that like to start a blog, you have to be, you know, a leather wearing daddy who only cooks with fruit um, and micro, you know, hydroponically right. grown microorganisms. <laughs> you have to be so niche market to, for your like blog to get right. into that blogging sphere yeah. these yeah. days. Yeah, I, I think it's just, um, especially with, I think it's a social media aspect that's helping with that. Anybody can technically start a blog today and you actually could probably make more money if you weren't super niche. Um, if you just went into it and you didn't put a face on your blog and you were just like, okay, cool, let's focus on SEO. Let's do all this other stuff. Let's build something from that. I've come across so many blogs and websites. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this person is. It's like some you know person from like the Midwest who just literally sits there all day and like really basic recipes, SEO, works on all this stuff. And like, they probably make a ton of money every year doing that just from traffic. Yeah. I mean, you know, and kudos to you because I'm not making that money here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and then it's, but it is the opposite because I can look at someone's site and go like, okay, so this is how much like traffic they have. Like they're making a lot of money, like a very livable wage. Uh, But then you go to like their Instagram and they'll have like 2000 followers. So the lack, I think, with sponsorships and working with brands and stuff like that nowadays, the huge like sort of lack of personality is an issue where if you're not someone that people want to like, not necessarily be friends with, but like have that sort of charisma when it comes to that kind of thing, um, people aren't going to listen to you as much. People aren't going to trust you as much. And brands want someone who can actually sell their thing. So yeah, and you that's a great great point because like I said at the beginning of this podcast um you know I've I've been numbers obsessed before. I have been just like how do you get these numbers 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 right? And I was like I don't want to be that guy because then there's it takes so it takes the passion, it takes the life out of it and the project whatever I'm working on and myself and seeing things grow it's attached to who I am and my personality and what I'm doing much like how your success is attached to you because you do things in a really fun colorful way almost like like gay minimalistic I I I don't <laughs> I I want to put you in a box for the listener cuz they can't see you but I don't want to put you in a box at the same time because what you do is so unique and so really really pretty and your color stories are really pretty and and how you post it's just it's it's really eye catching and like Thank I you. I think that that attributes to who you are and your personality cuz nobody out there except for maybe one person who has a very similar aesthetic to yours that I just found out is related to you mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> is like is doing what you do right right yeah it i've shot like that for years now and i i mean this it's crazy like not this year be i think cuz of covid but um last year was like my busiest year that i had with partnerships and working with brands content creation for other brands and I think it's something finally where people are like, oh, we don't want like the same thing that we've always had. And no shade to the cheese pullers out there, but like they're, the cheese pull pizza Instagrams these days are a dime a dozen, right? Right, yeah. They, have, they all have upwards of like 80,000 followers, kudos mm-hmm. to you, but it's, it's cheese pull pizza, mac right. and cheeseburgers, cheese yeah. pull pizza, like there's a formula to it. Right. And I think brands do want nowadays too, they kind of 
a lot of brands are also willing to experiment a little bit more uh, with budget where they'll be like, yeah, this person does shoot like a little different, a little weirder than maybe like what we would normally do. But like, why don't we just see if it works? You know, like, let's see if it sticks and let's um, let's try it. And so I think that's been like a huge part of it too. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's been crazy that like I just... I just kept doing what I was doing because that's what I enjoyed and I didn't want to try to do something else. And uh, it's starting to finally pay off, which is great. Yeah. And In Your Mouth listeners, you probably have seen some of uh, Billy's uh, sponsored, like the things he's done for brands out there because uh, I saw your smile, um, your smile brand partnership. And I was like, oh my God, that was you. I saw that everywhere. Um, I love that you worked with Harry and David because Harry and David is such <laughs> is such a unique brand that and I was thinking about this before we got on the pod that it's I th- when I think of Harry and David and no shade to Harry and David because I actually love some Harry and David uh, that I think of our parents you know like it's it's yeah. very generational and for as yeah. much as for as much as I love it I don't necessarily it's not necessarily a go to for like oh here's my friend Billy let me send him a thank you for coming on the pod right. like it's they're not a go to as much as like when I pass them in the mall I'm like ooh can we stop at Harry and David I need some like chocolate right yeah 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 it's very much like and I think for them for that um campaign it was very driven for like uh older millennials so me and uh I think that was what they were like trying to gear their stuff towards. And it's really fascinating because whenever I work on a campaign with a brand, they'll, they always send over like mood boards and it's never anything like what I shoot. So I always like every single time have to reiterate like, Hey, this is, I don't shoot like this. I don't do lifestyle stuff. I don't do, you know, this or that. I'm just letting you know, I'm not reshooting anything for you. So like, this is what you're going to get. Is that okay? And like, they're like, every time they're like, oh yeah, sorry. Like we just, this is kind of for like other people that we have who kind of shoot that way already, you know, like, um, it, so just, just ignore that. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. Yeah, and, but, but that's a, but that's a testament to you too, that you're not compromising what you do or who you are just for, just for some, uh, bucks in the bank, you know, right? you're yeah. like, this is what I do. This is how it's going to go. And you either like it or you don't like it. And what I do is really, really good and is, has made me successful. You know, you have a right. book, you have a cookbook out, right? Which we'll get to and plug, honey, and <laughs> all of that. But like, it's a testament to who you are and staying true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's also like really important, especially now because, like you said, there are so many accounts, and it's not just food accounts; it's all kinds of accounts that are a dime a dozen. So you have to find a way to stand out. And then also on top of that, give people reason to like further invest in you and your brand and um, what you create for companies or, you know, other accounts, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree to that, but I want to put a quick pin in this very interesting um, moment that we are having to take you to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the pod, a little something, Billy, we like to call Food News Update. Food News. Uh, Honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News Update. Keurig has partnered with Jonathan Adler to create the most stylish coffee maker. Yeah, it's cute. I saw it today at Target. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, it's, it's cute. Now, this is something else we have in common. Where uh, I've read, you know, on the interwebs that you're a big coffee lover. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am a big coffee lover too. So these, this article was hand chosen just by me <laughs> for you. Thank you, Delish.com. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Are you, um, well, first and foremost, as a coffee lover, do you have one of these machines? Do you own one of these machines, Keurig or other? Because, um, and how do you feel about them? Um, I think they're good. I mean, if you, I drink a lot of coffee, so I, I can't use those because I would just like spend so much money on stuff. So, um, I just use a, uh, like a Techniform, like they're like this, like Swedish coffee thing. Um, a techniform. I think that's what they're called. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Don't um, Billy. Do not. Uh, I'm looking up techniform right now. But <laughs> I, I hope do not, that's what it is. I do not need another coffee apparatus. No techniv techniform with oh, the v. v. So I was I was close. And they're called Mocha Masters, but they're like these like really kind of cool looking coffee makers. Oh, um, she fancy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I did that for myself like two years ago because I was always just buying like the really shitty cheap coffee like coffee makers. Wait and a minute. Is this like a, a fancy pour over coffee maker? Like no, it, it's sort I think it's supposed to sort of replicate pour over, but it's yeah. just it does a very accurate job of heating the temperature of the water to a certain thing and whatever else. The amount of coffee that I drink, like I have already paid for that thing, like you know, twice over because I've had it now for like three years. I did a poll on Instagram asking like, hey, I need a drip coffee maker because I drink so much coffee. Like, what should I get? And this was like the overwhelming response from like everyone. Ooh. And it was and just like, not, I have one. She's not cheap, honey. But if, no, but you, you if I bought like, it during wow. uh, it was like Black Friday or like Christmas sale sort of thing. So I got like 20 percent off on it. Um, All right. I love that. Yeah, that's what I use. But I do I do also own uh, an espresso machine, but that's because I worked with them like three years ago. Um, um, yeah, I also, I, I mean, I have a French press. I have an Italian mocha, even though we call it in Puerto Rico, uh, una greca. I have um, a stovetop percolator. I have an espresso machine. I have an AeroPress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And once again, I live in 120 square feet. So I mm-hmm. have a lot of ways to make coffee in the house. But yeah. um, I just thought this article was cute because, you know, uh, in the coffee game, you know, Keurig, Keurig is trying to keep up with things like Nespresso and whatnot. And Keurig has a new platform called Brew the Love Collaboration. And it partners with uh, prominent brand fans and rolls out these limited collection, like tiny coffee brewers. They're, for those of you out there, they're like these, they're like a Nespresso machine. It's a, it's a pod brewer. And mm-hmm. Jonathan Adler has this cute, like white and blue one, Right. And I figured Jonathan Adler and Keurig, because everything at that Jonathan Adler store is like $800 or more. <laughs> I was yeah. like, who's out there buying an $800 Keurig? But they're only, they're only 100 bucks, but still. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, cute. Yeah, it's cute. I saw it the other day at Target. Oh, all right. So it looks like um, Billy and I are here for this. Good for you, Jonathan Adler. <laughs> Get right? <those> coins. <laughs> Make your money, honey, even during a pandemic. Tostitos has new guacamole-flavored chips, so each bite packs an avocado punch. Okay. <laughs> that there's, face. <laughs> there's these... Oh, well, I'm trying to think, like, if that's... I guess it's new for Tostitos, but there are these chips that are called, like, guaca chips. Have you ever had those? 
Yes, I have. They've been around for a very long long time. time. They were around when I was in college. And I want your opinion on Mm -hmm. guacamole flavored things that aren't guacamole. Um, I mean, you it's understand not what taste- I'm, tra- I'm getting at. Yeah, here. it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not going to taste like guacamole. Um, like you know, sometimes when you get those like Lay's flavored chips, and it's like it'll be something where it'll be like taco flavor or whatever, and they somehow like make it taste like like there's like shredded lettuce in the chip, <laughs> and it's like the weirdest. <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing. Um, but with guacamole, it's like you really aren't ever going to get that. Um, because avocados have sort of a very specific flavor, but that's sort of masked when you make guacamole, I guess. Yeah, that it's like, I mean, it's just so hard to, I would imagine it's just so hard to like get an like avocado flavor. And that's like the whole point of having guacamole is the avocado. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and as once again, as I read on the interwebs and the bathroom stalls, that you are a very large guacamole fan. Yeah, yeah, I um, I mean, like I'll eat it with like everything. I think being in California too, we have like great access to those types of things. So, um, avocado is like something we have all the time. So it's like And I'm sure it helps that your husband is of a lat a Latin nature. Yeah. Like specifically Mexican Chicano. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we've always got, I mean, we'll have guacamole on like obviously like tacos or with chips, but like we'll have it on like hot dogs. We'll have it on like everything. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Well, um, you know what? I'm excited for a Tostitos guac chip. Why not? You know, maybe if you do like the Pringles stack, and this is not sponsored by any of these people, but um, the Pringles stack, you do like the hint of lime chip and the avocado chip. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. You see, yes, you see I where can I'm see going that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Their hint of lime chips are actually really good. I mean, I I don't know anybody who doesn't love a hint of lime. Yeah, like Tostitos chip. So yeah. it, it looks like we're here for this. Good job, Tostitos. Guy Fieri paid tribute to Chef Carl Ruiz on the anniversary of his death by asking fans to tip generously. Did you see this? No. So Chef Carl Ruiz. Um, <laughs> suddenly uh, and very unfortunately passed away last year. And he was a huge influence on the food community. And um, he just, it was all love for like, you know, street food and basic foods and like just really, really good food. And so Guy Fieri and a ton of other people I saw um, on the internet in the uh, Chef Ryan Duffy, my friends over at the Ate It app, uh, big Car Ruiz fans, uh, set out and in his honor went to all these restaurants and no matter mostly like things that either emulated things that were chef ruiz's favorites or the actual restaurants that were his favorite and Mm -hmm. ordered his favorite items and then um on the on the receipt uh they would write hashtag keep ruizing and then would leave um a really large tip for the Mm. for the waiters and waitresses in his in his memory and in his honor, which I thought was like just a really nice way to a remember him and b kind of support the struggling restaurant industry. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. I think, you know, tipping is really important when it comes to like hospitality stuff. I worked coffee jobs all throughout um, college and uh, I understand like you make minimum wage, like your actual wage is going to be like whatever people tip you for the day. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think it's great. I always yeah. encourage. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about it because I remember going to a barbecue charity auction um, soon after he passed. And it's just, I love, I love all sorts of traditions, no matter where you're from, like, you know, wholesome, like beautiful things to either remember people by or, you know, cultural traditions. Um, I may not be Mexican, but during Dia de la Dia de los Muertos, I definitely put up an ofrenda because I have very old photos from like the 1930s of my grandmother in the house, right? So I'll put up um, the garland of uh, magnolia, not magnolias, um, marigolds, <laughs> marigolds up, marigolds up. And I just, I really love that. And I just thought this was such a special way mm-hmm. to to remember him. And it's and it's double duty, you know? Right, in, yeah. In this, in this weird time. Yeah. You know, so this is we're pouring one out for you today on the pod, <laughs> Chef Carl Ruiz. And if you're out there, you can still uh, keep his memory alive by doing the same thing. And with that, I think there's a lovely way to end food news update. <laughs> Y'all should see Billy's Billy's face. It is still the morning <laughs> over in France. And he's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> it's always a good time here whether it's morning noon or late night on in yo mouth and i want to go back because i mentioned that your partner you're not married correct uh no we are we are oh your husband your husband (laughs) (laughs) is esteban from chicano eats and y'all um I have been following Chicano Eats forever. <laughs> and I'm so surprised I didn't put two and two together because the aesthetic is uh, is uh, somewhat similar. Like adjacent. Yeah, yeah like very yeah. Like parallel adjacent. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. How long have you been together? Um, Tomorrow, actually, will be 10 years. <gasps> yes. Happy yeah. anniversary. Um, yeah that's amazing that's amazing now did you when you met um Mm -hmm. well it's 10 years that's 2010 yeah that works um when you met were you both in the foodscape food spear food did you know you would be a food powerhouse (laughs) no i so i was sort of i launched my blog in like 2008 i think um and he he didn't launch his until 2015. So we had been together for a while before he started it. Um, he had just been looking and watching like what I had done, what my friends were doing at the time, and was kind of like, oh, like I feel like I can do that. And there's a huge hole in the market for like a Mexican American food blog. There's not a ton of them. Um, and so he was kind of just like, well, like I'll I'll try it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, it's not going to go anywhere, you know? Like, whatever. And um, so I helped him sort of figure out aesthetic wise, like what he really likes and, uh, helped him like figure out lighting and everything else. And it's pretty much like, 
lighting wise, everything along the same lines. And then it differs with either color palettes or styling or, you know, other things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's he, really beautiful. It's uh, thank you. Bo- yeah, bo- both of yours are just really, really beautiful. And um, you know, we might as well plug the Instagram now and later, right? Just mm-hmm. you know, while you're passively listening to this podcast, <laughs> go open your Instagram and go to at wit w i t and vinegar and check out what we're talking about. And it's beautiful. And then go support the husband too at Chicano Eats. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, what made you decide? Because your style is both of your styles, but your style specifically is very specific. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't really see very, if anybody doing like what you're doing out there. What what made you decide like this is going to be the style? Where did that come from? Um, it was like this a whole sort of weird like cocktail of things where like I was sort of doing the blog for a while. I got the email from the publisher to work on a cookbook. Um, and they said we really love like your bright, like poppy, like sort of they were calling it pop art um photography. They're also from the UK, so they their terminologies were a little different. And I it was weird when they reached out and they were saying these things because I didn't really feel like my site was that. Um I was just kind of using like fun colors, I guess, for backgrounds. And I wasn't doing like traditional um, styling or anything like that in terms of um, props. So they, but they were like, we love your your bright, colorful, fun photography. And I said, uh, okay. And uh, we kind of went from there to, to do a book. And I realized as I was shooting the book and starting to shoot the book, I wanted to go in these realms that I sort of play with now a little bit more with like materials and textures and surfaces. Um, But that like wasn't what they wanted. They wanted like strictly color backgrounds. So I sort of figured out a way. And from there, that's kind of where the style evolved from just like sort of weird, fun, like uh, color, like bright, contrasty photos. And it sort of evolved into like finessing it over the years and getting it to where it is today. But then now I get to have like a little bit more fun with, uh, you know, I'll grab fabrics or other colors or different reflective surfaces and kind of play with those as well um, to kind of switch it up a little bit. But yeah, what yeah. Do, you, uh, do you have a name? Have you like named your style? Um, no, I like, I just kind of do whatever because there are days when I want to do like the same thing, you know, and then there are other days where I'm like, oh, I want to have like a little bit of fun with this. I want to do, you know, um, whatever, you know, I want to oh manipulate God. it or do whatever. Do you have like a large closet or or is your house like massive that you have like storage for all sorts of like foils and plates and all like the food styling? Yeah, things? we've got like... uh We've got one of our rooms that was supposed to be our room that we shot in. Um, we moved up here to buy a house specifically last year um, because we were running out of space in our apartment in Southern California. And we thought we had moving into a bigger house would solve our problems. But somehow, like, the stuff didn't... Like, it now it feels like it takes up more room. I don't know. It's, like, really bizarre. Um, so we have like a room dedicated to kind of basically just props. So like all of our lighting equipment, um, all of our props, we've got like a ton of bookshelves in there. They're all stacked up on doing those things. Um, And then of course, like we'll still use like the same, we have like five or six go-tos that we between, you know, he has some and I have some. And so we don't use all the props all the time as much as we used to. Um, 
But sometimes we have commercial clients that we don't post on our Instagram or social media for whatever reason. And we do need different props for them. So we kind of, and we live in Fresno, so we don't really have like a prop house like you would normally have in LA or New York for rentals. Um, so we sort of have to build up our own sort of toolkit here um, yeah. to kind of do those things with. I'm I'm imagining like a really pretty like Martha Stewart, like wallpapered color, <laughs> you know, all, like the pink plates are with the pink plates and the white plates are with the white plates and the glass, you know. The, the mercury glass is in this corner. <laughs> um, I would very much like it to be that way, but it's not. It's just literally like a ton of like Billy Ikea bookshelves um, sort of all over the room. And they're just like glasses go on this one and plates and molds go on this one. Wait and... a minute. I love that. I love that the Ikea shelves are also named Billy. Yeah. <laughs> you like, yeah. Esteban, they're named after me. These are the shelves we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> well, before... Before any of that, when we lived in SoCal, our stuff was kind of just like stacked all over the place. There was no like organization to it. And we just kept getting like more and more props, depending on if we like worked with a company that was like a cookware company and they'd send us stuff or, you know, all these other things. And so we sort of, it sort of started to get like out of hand. And so I was like, we need to get something. And like the cheapest option at the time for us was the IKEA bookshelves because, you know, it's IKEA. Um, And they're still the cheapest, but they're built really great and they do the job and they get the job done. So. Yeah, not IKEA, not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I want to switch gears really uh, for a moment here, just because I I have been on the most fabulous journey uh, over the past year. Just you know, being the custodian of our stories, giving a platform for people to tell their stories because our stories as LGBTQ people matter, uh, especially in this day and age. And although your um, your specific Instagram isn't necessarily necessarily attached to your to your identity as a gay man, um, a lot of a lot of my previous uh, guests, right? They're kind of they're very you know, queer forward and this and that, and you're just more about the food and so on and so forth. But I would love to hear about your story, your coming out, your coming up and what that was like. Um, yeah, it was basically just like this sort of standard, like, kid who grew up in like a Christian household, but not super strict Christian. Um, you know, we were like, just like evangelical not like the crazy speaking in tongues evangelicals, but um, just like the regular like Christian households, you know, a kid, like I have brother and a sister, um, grew up lower middle class, didn't have a ton of money. Uh, and I, I mean, growing up, like you don't really have, I mean, it's totally different now. And like going back to like the whole internet thing, like being gay and like, being like a gay teenager in like the year 2000 is just like a world of difference to being gay. Like in so many aspects, just the internet, I think has opened up so many more windows and doors and eyes for kids to see like what's out there because, you know, growing up, you're sort of limited to like what you see on TV and like what your parents tell you. And, um, we didn't have any sort of like queer representation growing up. Um, so, you know, like I remember being a kid and like the gay representation that I would see on TV would be like, did you ever watch next on MTV? 
yes, uh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and they'd have the gay guy go on the date. They would have like the gay bus and it would be like, so, and it would always be like four of just like the most like raging, like Abercrombie Queens of just like, you know, the year 2000 where everyone's wearing like a fucking puka shell necklace with a pop collar on their yeah. polo shirt, jeans and flip flops. And it was like literally a cookie cutter thing where you look at that and you go, oh, well, I guess that's what a gay person is. You know what I mean? Like, and they were always like so bitchy to each other and like so mean. And it was just like, looking back now, I laugh and like I watch it and I think it's so, it's just so funny and ridiculous. Um, But you're sort of, that's what we had growing up. So growing up, I like, I definitely knew I was attracted to boys growing up. That was like a hundred percent. But the issue is going to church where you have, not necessarily your parents as an influence, but the church itself as an influence. So you know, I remember very specifically being in like youth group and having like our youth group teacher, we had a talk one night and it was like about um, how like society wants us to like tolerate different groups, but like the Bible tells us that we don't have to tolerate those groups and like gays being one of them. It was like this whole thing. And I just remember like, whoa, like that's like, it, it was like that thing where you just like would pray that you weren't attracted to boys because it was wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if I grew up with the internet, I would have been completely different, 100%. Um, but I waited. I was like, I didn't come out until I was 21. Um, and I, it, the weird thing is like, I knew my mom would be okay with it. You know, like that wasn't a question. Like I told her and she was like, okay, like I kind of knew, but um, thanks for, you know, like letting me know. Um, and it was like the same, you know, and I think it was also the thing too, where like her reaction was very much like, also didn't have any education on it, you know? Um, so her thing was kind of just like, the only thing she knew about, about gay people was like AIDS, you know? So it's like, she would just be like, just be safe. And, you know, don't, you know, don't have sex with strangers, <laughs> you know, just like that's, that was her reaction, you know, but she was fine with it besides that. And um, once that happened, it kind of was like a relief, you know, Um I came out to her, I came out to my brother and my sister at the same time. And, uh, like that was pretty much it. And, you know, and then I sort of came out to anyone else. It was important to me, like over text message and yes, over text message. <laughs> yeah. That was like it, you know, like I did not even have that luxury, but oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, listen, each, each and every one of our stories is unique and important. And I always, always say that you never know who's, who's listening and who it may affect or, or may inspire. So mm-hmm. I want to thank you for sharing that yeah. with, uh, with me and the audience, because it's important. It's, it's absolutely important to see normal people, tangible people, mm-hmm. such as you and I, you know, thriving, succeeding, and that that aren't you know um the uh i can't even th- the rupauls or the you know like you know uh the carson cressleys i'm i don't know yeah why. i, I think, think there's like people i know? think it's like the characters of what we had growing up is like what we had to look up to you know um and there's nothing wrong, obviously, with, like, anybody being any kind of gay. Like, that's not the issue. But I think, it, like, how you're saying it's sort of the tangible, attainable thing where you're just, like... Yeah, that we're not this, that we're not this uh, cookie cutter or that 
this gay person, gay people are just this one thing. We are diverse. We do everything. We are in every field. We are thriving in almost every field, I would imagine. Um, And... And it's real, albeit that this podcast is very food, is all food focused, right? But and this is, but this is our passion. This is what we do, and this is where we thrive, and this is where we influence. And you are indeed influencing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and, and that's beautiful, and that yeah. is beautiful. And speaking of your influence, you know, before we shut, uh, we close out here. Tell the kids about your book, right? Because he has a book, a cookbook out there. Um, I do, but it's not, um, you don't have to buy it. Uh, it does not, it doesn't really like exist anymore. They basically did like one small printing of it and then stopped. Um, it was like a really sort of tumultuous experience. Like doing a cookbook is like, I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh my God, I have to do that. Or I want to do that. Or it's so much fun. And it's like legit one of the most labor intensive things you could ever do. Uh, it, it was definitely like the hardest thing I had ever done. Uh, my husband just published his cookbook uh, at the end of June. Um, so I had like minor like PTSD, like working with him on, you know, deadlines and just like full shoot days and just everything for that. Um, but it it's like, it's a lot of work. Um, so yeah, definitely go and buy, you can buy my husband's book. Um, a hundred percent. We have to get him on the pod. We'll plug, we'll plug him and the book too. Yeah. Come on. We'll talk. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, you can buy his cookbook. It's Chicano eats the same name as his site. Um, and yeah, you don't have to buy mine. I don't think it exists anymore. (laughs) So I don't think that's an issue. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, a lot of, a lot of work. Um, going into it and it would have been nice to have someone to talk to or to go through it with me um, that had also already gone through it because I think that makes a huge difference in the whole process. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I've often considered it myself and then I'm like, oh, this seems like so much. Um, And so that's also um, refreshing to hear from you as well. So what's next? What's next on the docket? Um. I don't know. Just kind of still doing the same thing, seeing where COVID, how COVID sort of plays out, um, how that's sort of going. Uh, A lot of my work is based around campaigns and advertisements. So it was really slow for me for several months um, because, you know, people weren't paying for advertisements anywhere, (laughs) like creating content or doing any of that stuff. So yeah, even Arby's recycled a commercial and blur. Did you see that? And blurred blurred one of them out. Yeah. Blurred whatever sandwich was out. And they were like, ignore the blur. We didn't have a budget for a new commercial. So we just blurred out the stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it's like, and a lot of my stuff revolves around food. So it was like when COVID started, um, you know, grocery stores were selling out of everything. So a lot of brands were just like, we don't have to pay for advertising, obviously. Like, nobody has an option. They have to kind of pick whatever's in the store. So luckily, that's sort of ramping back up. So, like, work is sort of happening again. But uh, besides that, nothing uh, crazy or major uh, planned for the next several months. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, how much planning can we do, really, when we're all, yeah. when we're all stuck at home? But I love that you have given me... Um, so much of your time today. It was such a joy to to connect. I love, I always say I'm building a, 
a big gay food army, um, you know, but they've been calling me the Andy Cohen of food these days. And I and I'm trying to figure out a real housewives reference and I can't. <laughs> it's it hasn't come together like my real food wives of of the airway. I don't know. It's it'll come to me. And you are definitely part of it, part of the All army, right. part of the family. And I just so appreciate uh, your time and like your story and just um, everything that you've shared with us today. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. This has been a great time. Um, you know, it's the end of September y'all. We are, you know, just fast tracking speed bulleting. I, I don't even know what's wrong with me today. We are just <laughs> on our way really quickly. And before we know it, I I'm telling you, it's going to be Christmas. And um, there's something I've been I've been keeping in my back pocket for a while that I still can't tell you about till for another month or so. Um, that's really, really exciting. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. Once again, lots of love and thanks to Billy Green of Wit and Vinegar. Please go follow him on the Instagrams at Wit and Vinegar. Or you can go to his website, witandvinegar.com, to see all the recipes um, and the beautiful photos because they are so extraordinary and exquisite. Um, I love them. And you know what? After, what else can I say? Wear a mask, wash your hands, and thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.